0: Phil, freedom lovers, thinkers. Thank you for tuning to L3 Podcast. My name is Craig, transmitting from the beautiful realms of planet Earth. Today's date is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. This is episode 1596. The Constitution failed, and the cycle of freedom. Before I proceed, you can follow me on multiple social media sites and podcast channels. Just type in Loki Luck number three, Loki Luck Roman number three, which are three eyes. Or the Lucky Luck Roman number three podcast. If you have any information, recommendations, comments, always use the corn, please. You can reach me at lucky Luck number Zero Three or ProTemail.com. If you want to donate, go to PayPal.me or Cash.app forward slash Luck number three. Yeah, so I do another one today. And um, I was like browsing through, browsing around on some certain social media sites. And I found out that Jeff Beck has passed away. Walks quiet guitarist virtuoso at 78. And he was battling a short battle of um, bacterial meningitis. I remember first hearing about him from a neighbor of mine. And it was uh, very good. He did a lot on contributing to music. From the Yardbirds Birds to his solo stuff and session work. I think he was um, inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall, uh, Hall of Fame twice. But the man influenced many musicians out there. Which is phenomenal. I know a lot of my friends who are fans of him that play music are deeply disheartened. But the man left a lot of great compositions, songs, music, etc. That shall never be extinguished. What can we say, right? He achieved a lot. Pretty quiet, shy, according to some people. But, the only thing I can say is, may his soul be forever free, and thank you for your music and influencing others. You You may have passed, in person, but never die in spirit. Once again, thank you, Mr. Jeff Beck. May you rest in peace. All right. I'm not going to do any more rants at this moment. So I'm going to take the initiative on going to Mises Institute. So Mises.org. This was written by Ryan McBacon. Constitution failed, its security neither peace nor freedom. Yet we have to say, if one cares to look, it's not difficult to find numerous columns written for mainstream news outlets announcing the Constitution has failed. This ought to raise the question of what failed to do what. The answer depends largely on the one claim the Constitution has failed. On the left, claims of constitutional failure generally revolve around the idea that the Constitution doesn't empower the federal government enough. For example, Chris Elderson of the American Constitutional Society believes that the Constitution has failed because the government hasn't done enough about global warming and racial injustice. Ryan Cooper at the week says the Constitution is a failure because of gerrymandering and not enough democracy. Got to smack these people inside the head. Good grief. Sorry about that. On the other hand, many classic liberals, i.e. libertarians, have declared the Constitution a failure because it has failed to restrain the U.S. government from violating human rights such as life and property. Well, we see there are many standards we might employ to show that the Constitution has failed, depending on what metric we wish to use. But let's ask what politicians pushing the new Constitution of 1787, i.e. the Federalists, promised as the benefits of the new Constitution, they promised three things, that the Constitution would ensure the government would respect the freedoms of the citizenry, that would that it would provide means of keeping peace among the member states, and that it would provide a strong military defense. The defense, excuse me. <laughs> That's uh, my fault there. Sadly, the Constitution long ago failed on two counts out of three. A mere 73 years after its ratification, the Constitution failed to prevent a bloody civil war. The Federalists had promised that wouldn't happen. When it comes to the matter of freedom, of course, the record is even worse. And the Constitution has been used to justify countless assaults on liberty from the Japanese internment to unleashing armies of spies against the American people. That's being minimal now, okay? The only area in which the Constitution has succeeded has been in growing the the size of central government in Washington. The enormous state that has grown out of the Constitution of 1787 has indeed rendered invasion by foreign powers virtually impossible. But this has been done at the cost of numerous elective wars, trillions in waste, and an out-of-control national security state. Yet nostalgic appeals to the alleged greatness of the Constitution and the brilliance of the so-called Founding Fathers continue to be a fixture in defending the status quo. While granting legitimacy to the regime, any real challenge to federal power, however, will require we stop clinging emotionally To this failed legal document that has secured neither peace nor freedom the Constitution does not protect freedom when it comes to the Constitution's ability to restrain government power it is apparent that the text of the document is insufficient to counter efforts to empower the federal government rather than limit it we need only look around us to see how the federal government taxes regulates spies sues and imprisons countless Americans with federal powers that are in no way authorized in the Constitution itself. It is also apparent that the public and their representatives are uninterested in limiting federal power. I claim no novelty in pointing this out, of course. More astute observers recognize the impotence and failure of the U.S. Constitution decades ago. As Murray Rothbard wrote in 1961, from any libertarian or even conservative point of view, it has failed and failed abysmally. For let us never forget that every one of despotic incursions on man's rights in this century, before, during, and after the New Deal, have received the official stamp of constitutional blessing. And before Rothbard, there was Lysander Spooner, who noted. The Constitution is no such interest instrument as it has generally been assumed to be. But that by false interpretations and naked usurpations, the government has been made in practice a very widely and almost wholly different thing from what the Constitution itself purports to authorize. But whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this is... Much is certain that it has either authorized such a government as we have had or has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. In our modern day and age, anything that the regime's federal judges decide is constitutional is, in fact, de facto constitutional. In other words, Appealing to the text of the Constitution to claim illegitimacy for the latest government power grab is pointless and irrelevant to the task of actually limiting the power of the state. Everything the federal government wishes to do is ultimately constitutional. So as long as the public tolerates it, public opinion is the only true restraint. Interesting points there. If you just study the history... It has merit. The Constitution failed to prevent the Civil War. Moreover, the U.S. Constitution didn't even last three generations before a Civil War broke out. If the Constitution were ever nearly as magnificent as its defenders claim, the U.S. Civil War would n- have never occurred at all. Many defenders of the current Constitution prefer to distract from this fact by attempting to dwell on the blame game. Oh, if those dastardly guys on the other side hasn't done those bad things, there would have been no war. Who is to blame, however, is irrelevant to the fact that the Constitution failed to provide for a peaceful way out of the conflict that boiled over by 1860. That is, the Constitution's failure can be seen in both the fact that the secessionist states concluded exit was the only option. And in the fact that the Unionists felt of a bloody war of conquest was constitutionally acceptable. And the truth of the matter is folks, the Congress of those states did not constitutionally or legally declare war. It was on a unilateral basis, the executive branch. Read that folks, please. Decades earlier, the Constitution has been pushed on the masses by the Federalists with the promise that the Constitution would manage competing interests and conflicts in, a such, in such a way that the new nation would be able to overcome such differences. This is part of James Madison's argument in Federalist 51. He insists that even assuming self-serving motives among various groups, i.e. assuming men are not angels, the federal government would somehow be balanced against itself to prevent the need for, for or impetus for civil wars. Instead, by 1861, the United States fit the definition of a violent failed state. Much of the country rejected the authority of the central government, which could no longer claim to exercise authority over all of the nation's regions and borders. The central government's response was to rely on military force. In this regard, from 1861 to 1865 and arguably throughout Reconstruction, the United States was no different from many of the failed states in similar situations we have seen in Latin America and Africa. We find many cases in these countries in the last century in which separatists rejected rule from the center. This often resulted in civil war and military occupation of the losing Sides territory. When this happens in other countries, we often conclude correctly that the country's constitution has failed. For some reason, when the same thing happens in the United States, we declare a constitution to have been preserved in a stunning success. And a stunning success. And the Lac- let be honest, the Laconian Republicans will indulge on this, okay? Just giving you one example. We have to really look at that. Time, time frame timeline and many people still assume that it was only slavery spare me the moment okay because if you believe that the Confederacy of America were only involve white people white Europeans then you then you failed history with all due respect do a little homework in this because I am still learning a lot more than I was educated during my school years. All right, so I'll I'll continue on. As with many other failed states, the crisis in the U.S. was only brought to end by a bloodbath. The numbers were so large, in fact, there were a similar portion of the U.S. population being killed in a war today. It would amount to 7 million people moreover as usually occurs in the wake of conflict of that magnitude a drastically changed constitution replaced the one with political institutions that were far more centralized than what we had come before union was no longer a matter of voluntary membership among states but was now based on threats of military intervention from the center all right the constitution's only success has been an increasing state power. Of course, it is always possible to label the Constitution a success if we view the Constitution primarily as a means of growing of the power, power of the national regime. In this endeavor, the Constitutionist supporters have been enormously successful. The seeds of this development were already apparent even in the days of the ratification when the antifederalists greatly feared the national government would overwhelm the member state governments. Their opposition was strong enough that the Federalists resorted to a number of dirty tricks, as noted by Murray Rothbard. The Federalists, by use of propaganda, chicanery, fraud, malapportionment apportion- of delegates, blackmailed threats of succession, and even coerced laws, had managed to sustain enough delegates to defy the wishes of the majority of the American people and create a new constitution. The Federalists managed to win the day, although their promises of freedom did not even survive the 18th century. Rather, the central government merely got to work abusing its own powers with vicious attacks on freedom, such as the Alien Seditions Act. Acts. By the 18th, mid-18th century, the nation was on the verge of civil war. The solution to this was to have one half of the country invade the other half. Yet, we're told the Constitution behind all this has been a wonderful success. The founding fathers were geniuses, and we must never give up the sacred union by means of national divorce or any radical departure from the status quo. The reality is far more disappointing. If you don't learn from the past, my friends, we're down to repeat it. This is why I always tell folks, we have to look at all sides. Of this matter. And before that too. There's always been friction and differences. During the war of 1812. They had a. New England meet Convention. In Connecticut. To secede from the United States. Because they refused to bring the militia down. To fight the British. Because of the trades. It's all about money right. And that was like the last straw. Of the Fiddler's party. Then they became the Whigs. Think about that, right? Now the Whigs, when they passed, even became the new Republicans. <laughs> the original Republican Party that started by Thomas Jefferson is now the Democrats. And the Whig Party, all the created, helped create the GOP. They were a third party for his time. And, of course, this is why I tell people you got to look at the pros and cons. Why? Government is run by whom? Human beings. And many of the founding fathers let us know you never trust them, period. We always got to remain vigilant. They weren't perfect themselves. But we got to always keep them on their toes. I got to hear a case about when someone made a complaint about the about the Brunson case, and they go for plan B, and they go, oh, well, just for, it's just a gift, though. What are you going to do? Complain? Don't do anything? Then you know what? Don't talk to me. And I say that out of love. Perseverance has always been the key when it comes to liberty, folks, and vigilance. And plus, we could even tell D.C. or the federal government where to go. We got the 10th Amendment and anti commandeering doctrine. Fantastic stuff. I've been you know preaching that for a good period of time and it's effective. So, what are you gonna do? Each and every person has that power. We have obligations. Not to bicker, but take action. Do things happen overnight? No. Absolutely not. You gotta bring it. By steps. Though tyrannical bastards have done it, we can counter it. Now, with technology, let's take advantage of it. If you complain don't take action, you have the right to remain silent. Well, that'll be it for this first segment. Now I'll be back, so stay tuned. Right, I can do one more here. It came from a website called Internationalman.com, Doug Casey's website. It is written by Jeff Thomas. The Cycle of Freedom, as it reads, periodically I offer up a statement by Scottish economist Alexander Tytler, who in 1787 was reported to have commented on then New American Republic as follow: A democracy is always temporary in nature; it simply cannot exist as a permanent form of government. Democracy will continue to exist up until the time the voters discovered they can vote themselves generous gifts from the public treasury. From that moment on, the majority always vote for the candidates who promise the most benefits from the public treasury, with the result that every democracy will finally collapse due to loose fiscal policy, which is always followed up by a dictatorship. The average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been about 200 years. These nations always progressed through this sequence, from bondage to moral servitude, from moral servitude to great courage, from great courage to liberty, from liberty to abundance, from abundance to selfishness, from selfishness to um, complacency, from complacency to apathy, From apathy to dependency, from dependency to bondage. Teitler had it right. There is a freedom cycle. It's not an accident. It's based upon human nature, which is perennial. And it's not something that can be manipulated to suddenly reverse itself. Just because the citizens of a country are unhappy until they find themselves living in declining stages, it has to play itself out. Tatler was quite a scholar and had to come to this conclusion based upon the rise and fall of many nations over the ages with particular emphasis of the Ath- Athenian, Athenian Republic. Since Tytler's time, we've been able to witness every formerly free countries slide inexorably into the final stages of decline. For example, the countries in the EU are further gone and the countries in North America and Venezuela is further gone still. But what this means is that the cycle is likely to stay in order in these countries over time. And at some point from years now, Venezuela will likely to climb out of its bondage stage before Europe and certainly before North America. But what very few people can wrap their heads around is that this is a indeed a cycle cycles never reverse themselves the freedom cycle continues until it hits bottom bondage and then it stays there for a while historically the generation that is in charge at the time of bondage is never responsible for the eventual rebirth the bottom must continue long enough for a new generation of adults who will all their lives have witnessed that free stuff is a lie to create the rebirth. They understand only too well that their only hope to have more is to develop a work ethic and stick to it. The still whining parents continue to hope that a leader will come along and find deliver on the free lunch. And I've seen so many people have that mindset. Give me, give me, give me, right? The cycle is a long one. As it requires that generations pass, just as Depression-era people in the U.S. and Europe were hardworking, and the baby boomers were their spoiled children who voted for those who promised free stuff, and millennials represent the complacency and apathy generation. So these generations must age and slide into the background before a new and productive generation can create. Sorry about that. Can create a rebirth. I was extraordinarily fortunate. In my own country, when I was young, we were relatively poor. But hardworking people understood that if we didn't work, we didn't eat. We didn't get to build houses for ourselves, and we didn't buy a car. Therefore, everyone expects the truly indigent work. The truly indigent are always very few in any culture, and our entire community looked after them easily without government support. But then came dramatic prosperity. One of the byproducts of that prosperity was that a new generation of politicians rose up, hoping to cash in. They promised free stuff to the public, but insisted that they must be left alone to dominate. Their dual slogans were, People may have their say, but government must have its way. And we were elected to govern, and govern we shall. While small numbers of us challenged them, dug in our heels, and over time we gained overwhelmingly support from our people, we had to rout two successive, gov- successive governments, but eventually those political hopefuls who remained understood that. And they, should they become too domineering, their careers would end. As Thomas Jefferson said, when the government fears the people, there is liberty. When the people fear their government, there is tyranny. In Jefferson's day, America had been a frontier. Those who went to their find freedom from oppression in Europe understood that. If they were to survive there, they must have a strong work ethic and be entirely self-reliant. They were soon joined by others from Europe with a similar ethic. These were not people who would tolerate dominance. Although the colonialists only paid King George a McGeer 2%. In tax. They revolted at the very principle of domination and, through their tenacity, prevailed. Remember, the majority of them were self-reliant. The same was true in my own country. People who have a strong work at work ethic and are self-reliant may be kind of sh- and sharing, but they don't like being dictated to. Therefore, when we opposed the tyranny that had just begun in our country, we attracted tremendous support from the electorate. Again, the majority were self-reliant. Cuba today is just breaking out of the ground in its own rebirth, although it is not yet understood by most of the world. A younger generation of free marketers have grown to adulthood in a country where the free stuff has been an obvious lie. Their parents remain complacent and apathetic. The new generation are transforming their country from the bottom up, and their trajectory is unstoppable. If there is a lesson to be learned is that a freedom cycle exists and has always existed and is driven by human nature. Most people, when they find themselves in the downward swing of the cycle, become complacent and apathetic, as Teitler describes. Otherwise, intelligent, educated people vainly hope for a freedom fairy who will appear on the scene and reverse the process, but will continue giving out the free stuff. Historically, this has never happened no country reverses the cycle like a plant it must die before renewal can occur so the reader may wish to ponder where his own country is on titler's list of stages if it's on the upward swing wonderful life would be good until it reaches the pivot point of abundance of selfishness but those count but those whose countries are in declining stages, especially if they are nearing the dependency to bondage stage, are in more dangerous position. I do believe that 99.9% of them will act in accordance with apathy and do nothing. Only a few will choose freedom, but to do so, they will need to understand that freedom will not find them where they live. Those who seek freedom must go to one of the places where it is presently rising up from the ground or has already gotten on a roll and is on the upwards swing of the cycle. Editor's note, unfortunately, most people have no idea what really happens when a government goes out of control, let alone how to prepare. How will you protect yourself in the event of an economic crisis? Interesting, right? Like I said before, folks, it's all about history. Cycles happen, ups and downs. Well, only I can say in these United States, even other parts of the world, including Venezuela, for example, it's time to destroy the central banking system. When government knows best, it turns to crap. Look what happened in Cuba. Yeah, they had a revolt. Some people say maybe may be orchestrated by the CIA. Allegedly, I'm not too crazy about the organization myself. But folks are waking up. Can it happen again? Absolutely. Because you cannot have, leave all your eggs in the hands of the state, regardless where you're at. This is why the Americans, one of our main um, customs, is never trust the government. Declaration of Independence is self-explanatory. Even our U.S. Constitution, a Bill of Rights. We got to exercise it, not the state. We got to let them know who is the boss, not the other way around. Whether it's federal, state, or local, worldwide, you got to keep them on their toes. Don't be subservient to them. Everyone has a great gift that can enhance liberty. Regardless, you are at creed, ethnic background, gender, etc. Many of us have differences, which is okay, as it's part of human nature. But we can still create a vision that everyone can be spiritually prosper. That's how I look at it. What is your intake? And that will be it. I thank everyone for listening. Plus, feel free to download and share throughout your social media networks. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns on this check out, whatever you do, please send your correspondence to the quorum. For the footnotes of these articles on my page. If you want to contact me, you can go to LokiLuckNumber03 or ProTML.com. If you want to donate, go to PayPal.me or cash.app forward slash Loki 3 If you want to support Mises or the International man, do it. That'd be great. We'll kill what the mainstream media has to say. They want you to live in fear. Well, many of us disagree. Once again, thank you for your time. Please always remember that the maniac resistance is healthy for the soul and can liberate humanity. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Keep on spreading the love. And may your guardian spirits be with you.